Welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone, your podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies. My name is Arnaldo, I am your host, and I am joined by... Birdo, as usual. And the dog is here, too. <laughs> I think she's more tired. <laughs> that last episode, she was making a lot of noise with her bone. Well, she's pouting now, so... Oh, okay, it's gonna be okay. Alright, so we just did uh, the 1979 Captain America TV movie. Starring a guy named Rybut Brown, mostly only did you know, <laughs> stuff like this TV shit, right? Yeah, and like some B movies, if even that. Yeah, so that episode is out, um, which means that this week, Berta, what movie are we doing? Captain America 2, Death Too Soon. It's called Death Too Soon, and it's not, unfortunately, a Too Fast, Too Furious situation. They spelled <laughs> it all correctly. Yeah. <laughs> they should have left out... The number two, then, because it just makes me want the two to be yeah later. Like well, also, you say you know? two too many times in this title. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like two, death two. Yeah. Uh, skipping over the rules because if because we're doing a sequel, right? So usually we will do all the movies in a franchise and like a series all at once. I mean, up to four, I guess. From Batman, we did four movies. Yeah, but like I think we said when we do like. A much bigger franchise like X-Men, we're kind of going to split yeah, it up. Yeah, We're going to split X-Men up into like uh, threes, probably. That way we're not doing like, yeah. how many movies are there? Like 12, 14? There's 13, I think, but oh. two of them don't count because they're um, Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. Okay. And that's getting folded over. So anyway, let's just get right into it. Oh my god, my stomach hurts. Oh shit. <laughs> Is it the burrito? No, it's uh, this Coke that I just chugged. Uh, you know how you fix that? You just chug some more. Until you finally burp. Until you burp, yeah. And then I edit out the burp. Anyway, so let's just get right into it. Uh, time codes in the description, as always. So if you want to jump around, you can do that. But this movie is available pretty much nowhere. We bought it on Amazon. The last one was available to rent on like all major retailers. But it was terrible quality. It was really bad quality, yeah. So I wish we had just watched the DVD. But I bought the DVD. It was $6 for uh, like a combo pack. Both movies six dollars it arrived in two days so i thought that was pretty worth it honestly yeah. um it was basically the price of like a rental this one you really can't find anywhere to rent captain america 2 so um buy it i say because it's it's gonna be interesting we'll get into it yeah initial expectations birdo did you i mean <laughs> i didn't really have any yeah i didn't know this movie existed yeah so. i don't think either of us did so yeah i knew there was a captain america with the helmet i've seen the pictures of the right. helmet i just always kind of assumed it was one movie yeah didn't we didn't know there, there was, was a two. sequel to the movie that we talked about last week yeah so this is a proper sequel all most of the actors are back except for one except for wendy she got recast obviously the woman got recast and, and she looks completely different i think she was blonde in the last one yeah and she's like a brunette in this one i mean after seeing last week's movie the first captain america i just kind of wanted it to be I don't know, more of that. Like, we had a little bit of fun with it. Like, we didn't hate it. Right. You know, just more just like campy 70s Captain America fun. That's really... Yeah, I think I was just hoping for this one to be like a little bit more exciting, I yeah. guess. Oh, and Sir Christopher Lee is in this movie. He's the bad guy. And so when we popped the movie in and we saw that, or like we got the on DVD and we noticed, we were like, holy shit. So that kind of <laughs> upped my expectation just a, just a smidge, you know? I mean, he was in a lot of bad movies, too. Yeah, so we're going to get into them for Keeper Cancel. But, all right, so let's just get right into the plot then. 
Okay, so we watched the opening credits with tons of footage of Steve driving in his blue van. Uh, just some more of that, right? Just like, yeah. Exactly like the last movie. Apparently, they shared some uh, like footage. Some of this. Oh, uh, I mean, I'm sure cut costs wherever you can, especially if it's a generic ass scene like this. Yeah, yeah. Again, this came out on TV as a, like a two parter in 1979, the same year that the first one came out, and so it's like a really quick turnaround. Yeah, it's like and, six months. And later. it's like a feature length movie. It's like an hour and a half long. At the Venice Beach Boardwalk, among people playing with frisbees, Steve Rogers draws a portrait of an older lady. A frisbee player almost runs into her, but Steve pushes him back. She's startled, thinking she was about to get mugged. (laughs) She opens up and admits to Steve that she and her older friends have been getting mugged recently by a gang after cashing in their pension checks. This is... (laughs) It's kind of an awkward scene when Steve just pushes the frisbee player back. There's a lot of frisbeeing going around, and, like, I was not alive at this time. Like, I know about, like, like the skating sensation. Everyone was on, like, you know, Venice Beach on skates and shit. But I, I think the frisbees are just kind of, like, it's, like, foreshadowing, you know? <laughs> you know, Steve's going to be doing this a lot with uh, his fucking... His shield. With his shield, so. But I just love how she... Like, they're having some other small talk before this happens. And she's like, yeah, by the way, I'm getting robbed. And so are all my other friends. And then there's this gang and just picking on old people and robbing us. Like, and it happens regularly. Yeah. Like, lead with that. <laughs> that should be the... If you see your friend that you haven't seen, like, apparently Steve's like a friend of the old people he says later on. Every single old person, yeah. I guess. You should start with that. Hey, by the way, this terrible thing is happening to me and my friends. But it just very casually just comes up in conversation. <laughs> because she got startled by a Frisbee player. <laughs> who Steve aggressively shoves, like, away. Yeah, he, like, he didn't mean any harm, you know? <laughs> he was kind of he was kind of being a dick when he pushed him, too. He's just, Like, I get, okay, you're getting defensive for the old lady, but, like, come on. The guy was just running to grab his Frisbee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve inquires when his old friend will cash in her next check and parks his van nearby. He waits as a suspicious figure follows the old lady to an alley and shoots out of his van in his motorcycle to intercept the gang member. One of them pulls out a knife to which Captain America throws a shield behind the unsuspecting mugger. Thinking Captain missed him, he just stands there as the shield very slowly floats back and hits him from behind. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Captain America then chases a second gang member who fled down the beach in a dune buggy. There he exclaims, the old people in this town are my friends. <laughs> Wait, what else did he say? Uh, yeah. Like, don't mess with them or something. Yeah, he's like, listen here, punk. The old people in this town are my friends, and if I hear you messing with them... Oh. Is that when he says, I want the names of all of your fellow gang members? Yeah. And the guy's like, okay. <laughs> Everybody in your gang. Also, when he throws the shield, it's comical how cheap it looks. Yeah, it's the same shield as before. He's yeah. in a new outfit. Right, he's in the one from the end of the last movie. That's like the classic Captain America outfit, mm-hmm. but the shield is the same, and like the dirt bike is the same. Uh, but yeah, like it just it just floats on a string basically. And when it hits the guy in the back of the head, it literally like bounces off of him. <laughs> right, because it has no weight. This thing probably weighs like a pound. Yeah, and so the guy like just pretends to fall forward after it touches him. Yeah. It's a very, like, right, it's like a slow cue, like, he's waiting for his cue, and then he feels it, and then he just kind of, like, flops forward. Like, <laughs> Throws his body down. You know, say what you will about that last movie, like, pretty bad action, 
right? Yes. I think this one's already like an improvement. Like yeah. this whole, uh, you know, the the fight with the fight with the mugger. Yeah, that's that part's funny, but it's funny like in a good way too. Like I don't right. know if that like, I that was intentional. It. Yeah, I don't think that that kind of humor was intentional. Like we're laughing at how like cheap it looks, obviously, and how like impractical it is. But then like he like you know chases down the dune buggy on the streets and then on the beach and he like knocks the guy out the car just kind of like floats out into the ocean a little yeah. bit like that thing's totaled little, yeah but it's a little bit more like better you know planned out choreography i think he's actually like being a superhero of sorts yeah it's not horrible is what i'm saying it, right. it is definitely an improvement over maybe what was like my biggest complaint of the last movie and it's not like shot in the middle of the night which like half of the last action scenes were like yeah. it's just broad daylight you can see everything clearly like play to your strengths you know if you can't film that at night then don't <laughs> dr simon and the new wendy uh learned that a fellow scientist dr ilson has been missing for three weeks they find a name written in finger dust miguel at the scene of the crime they recognize the name as a foreign revolutionary who's been toppling governments in europe this must be the culprit so I love that they break into this like his lab and the whole thing is like turned upside down. Yeah. And I mean it's a, it's a big lab. Like there's furniture all over the floor and that's where I thought like oh they put some money into this because like they wrecked this whole like set, right? <laughs> yeah. And then they just find a clue that just says Miguel on it. And they know exactly yeah. what he's you, talking do about. Do you remember was there like a was it like a smart chemical thing that he put down? It was like a some sort of chemical thing, yeah. Where it wouldn't show up until later. But under what circumstances do you have time to do that if you're being, like, abducted? Also true. You know what I mean? Because clearly there was a struggle. Oh, yeah. They <laughs> tore the place up. I will get to it but uh, when we talk about, like, the plotting. But there is a lot of, like, kind of, like, contrived plot points in these where... Like, the whole place... It reminded me of, like, in the last movie. He's in the scene of the crime where the guy dies. And then the... And he remembered exactly what was, like, miss, on the yeah. desk. Because, first of all, the detective is un, is working under the assumption that the killer was still there when Steve was there, when he called 911. And that's something that the audience knows. But why would you ever... Nobody else knew that. No. And why would you work off that assumption? So they're like... Does anything look out of place from when you first got here? And he's like, oh, actually, now that you mention it, there's a camera missing and a calendar. Both those things are gone in this room with a million items in it. And the same thing happens here where, like, everything's turned upside down. They're like, but if you look right here, he had time to write down Miguel. What could that mean? <laughs> this, And that's the other thing. I know 100 Miguels. <laughs> like, And he's just like. Oh, that's that, you know, uh, revolutionary terrorist that I guess has made his way to America and has kidnapped our, our good friend, Dr. Elsom. And nobody knows he's in America. Right. Like, it's it's just so many, like, some, like, crazy, like, jumps to, like, crazy conclusions, you know? Just to get the characters where they need to be. Exactly. Just for, like, plot reasons. But, but I mean, and for the most part, like, it's not a dumb plot. No. Like, these movies so far, like, the two of them have been, like, clever in certain ways. But it's some of these just kind of, like, little plot things that needed, a, I don't know, some other, some other, like, workaround, I guess. If the movie was a little longer, maybe they would have had time to actually show a bit yeah. more. Yeah, and maybe that's it, too. Yeah, because it is a very, it's, like, hour, 20 minutes, hour, 20-something uh, Hour, 80, it said 80-something minutes, so, yeah, a little under an hour and a half. Yeah. But they, with commercials, it filled up a two-hour block. Yeah. 
Well, in the last movie, we said, like, they're clearly padding for time. So maybe that's when you patch up the plot holes, you know? Instead of having, like, a five-minute scene of yeah. a van driving. Yeah. Or, like, a helicopter flying. God, that scene um, lasted forever. God. Oh, and then this is where... It's either here or in another scene where you... <laughs> it's not a blink and you miss it. You'll definitely see it. It's There's the there boom mic. a while. Yeah, the boom mic is just, like, at the top of the frame... Just kind of levitating, but like over the actors as they move. That's <laughs> just like making a movie like one on one right here. You the, you leave the microphone out of frame, and if it gets in frame, you got to do it again. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not even the only case of we see a microphone in the movie. It does happen again. Yeah, we'll we'll, get... we'll talk about it. But I think it's funny when you see a boom mic float because it's it's floating there, being held by like someone else. So it's just kind of like following people around you know it's almost like a big bug (laughs) so we meet general miguel who is played by sir christopher lee uh at a prison where the warden's gone missing and miguel has taken his place as a cover and that's the other thing there's too many people gone missing in this it's just an easy way of like getting them out dr ilson's being held captive there forced to continue his research miguel is very unsatisfied with his productivity yeah, we have the typical, like, oh, good guy scientist gets taken by the bad guy in order to create something evil. Yeah. It is a plot point that's used a lot. Okay, but this is 1979, so, like, how aware are you of things older than this? Like, James Bond, maybe? Like, maybe, like, a James Bond type thing. But, yeah, you're right. Most of that stuff that I'm thinking is more Maybe present you. day and i'm not saying it's gonna be like inspired by right. this or anything this but... movie actually inspired the plot of hundreds of yeah <laughs> but i'm saying like if you have a trope like that and we're looking at something that's like at the peak of the trope or before the peak of the trope then you can't say it, that it might like... have just been you know a regular plot point yeah thing. maybe that's it's before like it became like a a thing like a thing yeah exactly i don't i mean i don't know like i said Probably, I'm not super familiar, like, with old James Bond movies. Like, I've seen a bunch of them one time, and I can't, like, tell you any of those plots anymore. Okay. I sort of remember Diamonds Are Forever, but that's kind of it. Yeah, if you guys know any uh, anything before 1978 that used this trope, let us know. <laughs> right. We're going to get to it, but there's a lot of, like, the um, bad guys talking about their evil plans. Just like expository dialogue, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so this is the part where they're like, this cover is perfect. No one's going to suspect that we're here at this prison. <laughs> and it's obviously like meant for the audience, but... <laughs> no, exactly. That's, what, that's my yeah. point, but it's... <laughs> it's It seems out of place. Yeah. Dr. Ilson is researching the cure for aging, and they need a very specific imported drug. Simon knew Wendy and Steve Rogers deduced that they could track the import of the chemical. It's their only lead, so Steve plans to go to the shipyard to look for suspicious activity. Meanwhile, at the prison, Miguel and one of his lackeys look for an ideal city to attack. And this is another part where they're just, like, talking about their evil plan out loud to each other. And he's like, oh, maybe we should uh, pick a city with around 500,000 people. (laughs) Like, he said something like that. (laughs) Like, that'll do just fine. Uh, and in fairness, I think they only have, like, so much poison <laughs> and so much antidote. So, like, True. Like, I think that's... So that it's like, was, like, you want to like, do, like, a solving. heavily populated area, but you're not going to do, like, New York City or, like, Chicago or They're not going like to pay that. your ransom if you let all these people die. Yeah. 
So it has to yeah. be like carefully. There has to be some sort of control over it. <laughs> um, again, this is kind of where Simon, Wendy, and, and Steve, they're always in the lab, like figuring everything out like way too easily. Because they're all geniuses. Yeah, but they all, again, <laughs> it's just like they're all jumping to the correct conclusions in like really wild ways. So they're like, well, Dr. Elson, what is he working on? Okay, well, he, the thing he's working on, in order for them to do that, they need this very specific chemical. We can track that. Where do we go? We go to the shipyards. Let's go there. We'll definitely find the bad guys there, you know? And they do this all in like a minute. <laughs> so That's that le- true. Yeah. So, so that leads to uh, Steve goes to the shipyard to look for clues. Yet he immediately attacks all of the minority workers. <laughs> and I'm just going to stop right here because something I noticed in the last movie was that there was like no black people. Uh, and part of me is like, okay, you got to understand this is 1979. There were fewer like non-white people in like this industry at the time. Right. You know, they were just one, not getting those opportunities and two, like not going for those jobs Yeah. because I mean, I feel like acting is kind of like a white collar-ish privileged job where like, you're not like, I mean, we hear stories about like homeless people or people like you know, couch surfing as they, before they hit it big right. that are dedicated actors. But I feel like if you're really like in financial trouble, you're not jumping to acting. You're, you've, you're, no, you're doing a more reliable are, job, you know, if you're already in financial trouble, chances are you're not going to make it out there, you know? Yeah. So I feel like that's another factor as to like why it took, you know, minority actors time to like get into the industry. You know what I'm saying? And so I kind of, I tried to like look at it both ways for that last movie because uh, on the one hand, yeah, everyone's white in that movie, but also like there's only like 10 people in that movie. <laughs> like True. it's really small. And like we said, like how many like available like people of color are there to like be in movies at the time for like TV in the 70s? Like, I don't I don't know. It's, it's tough to say or whatever. So but I feel as if though for this, they're like, OK, you know what? Like that was something that we didn't do. Let We need to get like more representation at least to some degree in this movie if anything in the background at least yeah yeah. because there is there's a black guy there's an asian guy and there's like a latino guy in this movie they're all bad guys sure they're all just like pawns (laughs) that get like beat up really fast but (laughs) like the goons (laughs) um but at least they're there right but the funny part about that is like captain america just gets there and he's like Without even thinking about it, just kicks all their asses. <laughs> and they're, like, they're just working. Yeah, like, he hasn't even stopped to, like, look for clues and deduce, like, oh, these are the bad guys and they're moving the chemical that I yeah. need. Well, first of all, if they're ordering those chemicals, then the bad guys probably aren't working at the shipyard. Those are still the employees there, you know? He just, like, runs in and is like, fuck all these people. Because yeah, he starts, like, climbing the crane, and the guy operating the crane is just looking at him climbing it, very confused. Yeah, like, and that, then that's Captain the America, one black guy. And he doesn't fight yeah, back or anything. And then he gets to, like, the... What do you call it? It's not a cockpit, but whatever. It's well, it's, it's a in. forklift, and it's, like, oh, it's the... Like, it's the um, well, it's, like, a really tall forklift. Yeah, it's still a forklift, I think. Okay. But like he he gets to where the guy is sitting and just picks him up and just and throws him out of it. <laughs> just tosses him the fuck out. And like the guy wall. is just looking confused the whole time. He's like, no, "What is going on?" Nobody's fighting back either. That's when you and I looked at each other. And we're like, "This is not very Captain America," or is it very Captain America? <laughs> He's just beating up all the minorities. <laughs> and then I think during this scene we also have. 
Is this where he uh, slides down the railing? Where he like sits on the railing and like slides? No, that's, down? Not, that's not the end. Oh. Yeah, because that's fucking hilarious. No, that part is fun too. Yeah, so as as the action continues, Captain America runs his bike over some crates, turns over a forklift. Yeah, and then he flips the thing over for no reason. I remember that. And inflicts a lot of unnecessary damage. I think at one point some guy just kind of falls into some crates for no reason. <laughs> did, he, did he toss them? I don't know. Like, he just, like, loses his balance and falls. Well, when he opens the crates, too, he just, like... Rips them open? Yeah, he rips them open. He punches a hole in one. That's how he got into one. He just literally, like, punched a hole through, like, the wooden And he's like, ah, here's the drug. Or the chemical. Yeah. Like, he knew what crate he was in and everything. No, uh... He had some really good intel. Yeah, he didn't do any, like, recon or anything. He just kind of, like, fucking shoot first, ask questions later. (laughs) (laughs) Captain America finds the drugs they're looking for and throws it over a building and into New Wendy's convertible Trans Am. That was so strange, too. It was also a very accurate throw. That's what I'm saying. Oh. Instead of, like, meeting up with Wendy, and they have, like, a scene where they're like, hey, off screen, I checked, I scoped out the whole situation, and I deduced these guys were bad, so I beat them up. I took these drugs. Here you go. Take them back to the lab. What he does is that he tosses it over a building, and I mean, like, a like a four-story building. Yeah. And then if just, from the other perspective, it just, like, falls and flies, and it lands in her passenger seat. He had a trajectory perfect. It's just such a weird <laughs> thing to put in the movie, you know? I think they're trying to show his strength, I guess. Like, oh, hey, he's really strong. I don't know. Okay. Uh, The convertible Trans Am was sweet, though. Very 79. (laughs) Simon and Wendy verify the chemical. Steve stakes out the workers and then follows them. They go to dump the drugs to another group of bad guys who then go into a town named Bellevue. There's a lot of, like, driving around. And then the weird theme song music starts playing. I think it's when he gets into the town maybe it was very kind of sitcom-y yeah it was almost kind of like wandavision what they were making fun of you know yeah it didn't really fit what was happening on screen that's for sure real confused i was like did we just jump into a different movie because in there's some transitions in this movie uh where you feel like they just forgot what movie they were making they started making a different (laughs) one real quick because in this this next part of the movie just kind of like it chills out. Like, I guess it's like the second act where it just gets really calm. Even though he was, like, in a deadly chase on his way there. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, it just ends. And now we're in, like, the town of Bellevue. Yeah. yeah. So, Steve continues to act undercover and stakes out the bad guys while painting in the middle of the town square lawn. Very conspicuously, by the way. There's no one else, like, being weird. He just, like, sets up shop and starts painting. The bad guys show up and try to bully him, kick him out of town while he's painting his cat, Heathcliff. <laughs> Make sure to write down. He says something about the cat, too. He's like, oh, I'm painting him because he's cute or something. Yeah, they're like, um, they're like, what are you doing here? Why are you painting here? And he goes, this is where the cat's at. Oh, that's what he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Steven takes the cat to the local vet, stands in line, and gets bullied some more. And even the vet tries to tell him to get out of town and go to Greenwood. Everybody, I love that everyone in this town is like, no, no, you don't belong here. Fuck this town. This town sucks. Like, we hate it here. Leave. You need to leave and go to Greenwood. That's the good town. That's where you need to be. Like, a guy like you, you would really like Greenwood, not this fucking hellhole. <laughs> <laughs> There's some stuff I like about this. I like how it's very, like, you know, something's obviously wrong here. And he's kind of just trying to figure out what. 
Yeah, but it is very confusing because it's not presented very logically, like plot-wise. Because yeah, he, he just shows up in this town. Everyone's a dick to him. Where'd the cat come from? Is that his cat? I don't think that's his cat. He didn't have a cat before, right? No, I don't so, think so. Or th- they didn't make a big deal about it if he did. If he were to find the cat and then take to the vet, then very conveniently he's in the place where exactly where he needs to be for like the next clues is at the vet's office. So I th- like, I think he suspected the the vet is it, of something. Is it because he sees a line of people standing outside? Because we we find out later that it's not actually a vet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reasoning behind like why he you know gets from like point A to point B was is weird. Which is like what's a, that's what the plot of the movie is supposed to do is to like justify why characters would go to different places and do different things <laughs> and like be after certain objects. Yeah. Like that's kind of. But here they just have him like bopping around this town. He's bopping around. Ain't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's just telling him to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should go look at uh, Greenway. That's the place to be. <laughs> yeah. In line, he gets bullied by, like, a lady who's, like, really mean to him. Yeah. And then he, like, kind of sort of bonds with her son for, like, a second. And she's like, don't fucking talk to my son. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the 70s. And, like, that's not what she said. But that's what we were thinking. Yeah. Because I was like, why are you talking to this kid? Like, don't talk to a random kid. And the mom's like, I'm sorry if my kid was rude to you, sir. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like today, it'd be like, don't you fucking look at my kid. What are you doing? What, are you going to rape him? Like, what are you doing? What's well, going on here? My concern was like, don't distract my kid from his chores. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. So, Miguel, I keep forgetting that that's the bad guy. Because he's clearly like... A white British man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Named Miguel, yeah. Uh, but anyway, Miguel demands $1 billion, or he'll attack a major city with an aging chemical weapon. Wendy does the math. If they age at 38 days each passing hour, in four weeks they would have aged 70 years. We had to stop the movie and double-check her math. She was right. <laughs> She's absolutely right. But we were saying, like, we're glad, like, the movie at least got this right. Like, it would only take a minute. To, like, write the correct thing. But, like, it took us a while to kind of, like, figure out the math. Because it's not, like, straightforward. Because they say, if you age 38 days every hour, then in four weeks, you're going to age 70 years. And that's how fast she says it, too. So, we're like, first of all, you're a genius. Because yeah. that is, like... Because she did we, quite a bit of uh, conversions in her head. Yeah, that we did the math. It's, like, four conversions you have to do to make that work. So, you're multiplying, like... 38, 24, 7, 365, dividing by 4, and, like, all at once. And she's like, yep, 70. And the answer's, like, 69.9 or something. Yeah, so. so she, you know, rounded up. <laughs> they recall that Ilson's research aimed at stopping the aging process. But first, he would have to learn how to accelerate it in order to get it to work. This I actually liked because that actually made sense how they found out that he would be the one working on this. Why? Because the doctor? Yeah. I'm honestly surprised by the logic of this own movie and how quickly they jump to conclusions to conveniently serve the plot that they didn't figure this out right away. Because they, because <laughs> you're right. Like, these are people that work with, you know, because apparently, like, Simon and Wendy, they, like, lead this, like, laboratory for the government. Right. And then Ilson's one of, like, their fellow researchers so they're aware of what he was working right on so they'd be very aware so the moment he gets abducted they should be like 
this and I guess they kind of were because they're like, well, they would need this chemical. Let's track this chemical down. But they should have known like right away what what the, why what they were going to use them for. Do, yeah. yeah. But they do this very like I don't know how to explain it, but it's this kind of like method of like dialogue where they're like finishing each other's sentences a little bit, which I think was like more much more common back then as like kind of a way to like write like a scene or dialogue, especially like yeah. really expository dialogue, like to just kind of like explain to the audience like what's happening. And if you're trying to have like multiple characters involved in it too. Right. But it, it feels very much like uh, like the Batman show. Uh, Adam West? Yeah, the Adam West Batman where they're just kind of like, because in, in that show, like conveniently towards the end, he's always like landing on the right conclusion because he's the world's greatest detective, but also like but really the plot. plot. <laughs> and you've got five minutes left, so you have to figure it out. Yeah. You know, every Scooby-Doo mystery takes 22 minutes. So... Yeah. Oh, so you're talking about, like, in this scene where, like, Simon would be like, oh, you know, Ilson's research was aimed at stopping aging process. And then when do we be like, but first, exactly. they have to accelerate it. Exactly. It's almost like two people are reading one line. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, that's exactly it. So Steve finds a lady named Helen who he encountered at the vet's office who was rude to him. <laughs> no one will give him a place to stay. <laughs> They're like, get the fuck out of here. Go to Greenwood. Uh, he reveals <laughs> he reveals that he knows that the vet isn't real and demands to know what's going on in this town. The same bad guys from earlier encounter him with baseball bats and start to hit him. But he only fights back after the third hit, yelling, Strike three, you're out. <laughs> and he starts beating the shit. They, like, pun- they punch him or something. Or like They knock him in his back. Yeah, and they're, then- like, they're hitting him with a baseball bat. <laughs> His voice gets deep, too. He's like, all right, strike three, you're out. Are you doing your superhero voice, Steve? He just starts beating the ever-loving shit out of him. Yeah. He fights them all off very easily. And Helen welcomes him into her home to fix his lip and introduces him to her son, Pete. Hell uh, yeah, get it, Steve. I think, was his lip like, I don't I put it in quotes because I don't, I don't... I think he got hit in the face with the baseball bat, so he was like, ah. Oh, just like man. a little bit of blood, I think. It wasn't a big deal. Oh, he takes his shirt off, too. Yeah, he's do you remember when we used to jacked. Do, do you remember when we used to do nudity minute? Yeah. I feel like we need to workshop something else. It doesn't flow. No. Ab hour. I don't know. Ab hour. <laughs> it is usually abs. But yeah, yeah, no, he takes his shirt off and here we go. We got, uh, we get to see his, his abs and he's, yeah, he's pretty cut. I don't remember by which mechanism he, like, goes to help Pete. I guess he's kind of like, I'm going to help Pete with his chores or whatever. I they, think he just says on, that. Yeah, they're on a farm. Yeah. Again, there's, like, a lot of, like, like the second act is really chill. Like, they're on a farm. It's kind of down to earth, you know? Yeah, like, where's, he says something to, like... Um, where's this movie going? <laughs> he says something to the lady. What's her name? Helen? Helen, yeah. He says, like, you're independent. I like that. Like, he literally says that to her. He's very polite, which I guess, I mean, and that kind of like fits with Steve Rogers, like M.O., but yeah, he's just so nice <laughs> to everybody. He even gave the bad guys three. He gave him three, three warnings strikes yeah. before he attacked them, <laughs> except for the workers at the. Well, you, you know, they were they weren't white. So, so clearly <laughs> so he's got gonna... those guys. Oh, my God. Uh, Pete shows Steve around the farm and he helps him with his chores. They find a dead sheep that Pete recognizes from their farm. The sheep was only a few weeks old, but now is dead of old age. Steve gets arrested for the battery of the bad guys. So uh, this is where Pete's just kind of like, they're just shooting the shit. They're killing time. 
you know, Steve's asking about Pete's mom to Pete, which is kind of weird. Hey, so uh, <laughs> your mom's kind of hot. So how about your hot mom? Like, tell me more about her. Pete was saying that she used to ride the horses that they have, but she doesn't ride anymore. Since their, his dad died. Yeah. And so Steve's she's like, like, hell yeah, there's hell no yeah, dad, dad, dad yeah. <laughs> I'm all in, dead dad. <laughs> Are we sure this isn't a Disney movie? <laughs> yeah, seriously. But that's where we see Pete's, like, lavalier mic on the back of his, um, like, the back of his pants. Yeah. It's, like, clearly in shot. No, like, sticking out. Yeah. Like, there's no way nobody noticed this. All you would have to do is untuck his shirt a little bit and it'd be fine. But you just send there with a big-ass microphone on the back of his pants. And I show it, like, twice. Yep. Yeah, and then the cops show up. And they're like, we need to arrest you for, like, battery. Because <laughs> yeah, he's like, why am I being arrested? It's like, oh, because you, like, assault and battery of five men and then like steve replies with the like i attacked five men like really like he knows he did it first of all but like it also like the charges sound ridiculous yeah <laughs> so in jail steve bends the bars of his windows and escapes he ch- <laughs> he's for you know for being such a nice guy he does break the law quite a bit well, he also just kind of he just leaves jail he's like all right he's i'm out of here you don't even think twice <laughs> uh he changes doesn't look for a diplomatic situ- solution to this <laughs> He changes into his costume and the guards yell, Captain America just broke Steve Rogers out of jail. <laughs> I love that. I guess like Captain America's like developed quite the reputation now. Like he's several towns away and like everyone knows who he is. Yeah. I also love how like the guards run into the cell and they're like, how do he do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. But then they see Captain America. Right? Yeah. It, it it does feel like kind of like a classic like Superman or Batman situation where, you know, it's like, oh, there goes Superman. He must have saved Clark Kent's life. like Specifically Clark Kent. Yeah, because he's not there anymore. He can't be two places at once. So the bad guys chase uh, Captain America to a dam uh, and corner him from both sides. Captain <laughs> Cap rides his motorcycle off the dam. <laughs> And clearly, like, into the river. And he, it's not... And, and that may sound, like, exciting and, like, f- like he finessed and it was, like, the stunt from, like, a... No. You know, from, like, a modern movie. It was not. It looked like he just drove the motorcycle off drove, the cliff. And then just fell. <laughs> and like, it, it sort of kind of, like, kind of, like, drove on the side of the dam, but then mostly just kind of crashed into the water. And you just see, like, the camera just shows the motorcycles dropping. <laughs> I, I think what they did is, like, tip the camera sideways to make it look like he's going down. But I think he's mostly, like, on a flat surface. You know what I'm saying? It just looked like it was just falling straight down. Yeah, pretty, no, pretty much. He should be dead. <laughs> or at the very least, a motorcycle would be, like, wrecked. And Absolutely. he just kind of, like, rides it off the river back onto the road like nothing happened. Uh-huh. They just, you know what it feels like? It feels like they had access to the dam. They're like, all right, well, you know, this is free. Let's you know, use it. We got a day. Like, they're letting us film here. What do we got? Let's, like, I don't know. Let's throw the motorcycle <laughs> he off just, the dam. He just jumps right off. Oh, like, in a cool way? Like, no. He just fucking... Because we need the motorcycle for later. He can't wreck it. So he just, he just jumps off and he's fine. <laughs> what do you mean he's fine? He's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't ask questions. <laughs> It looked really funny. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, remarkably, he survives and rides back to the road. At the jail, Miguel is listening to Simon's call with the president. His phone is bugged, I should mention. Somehow. Somehow, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of his crew takes a plane and sky rides over downtown Portland. Smile. Except some idiot on the street is like, Smil? 
Uh, <laughs> the skywriting falls on the citizens and they're poisoned. <laughs> the smell thing. I'm wondering if that was actually like a scripted thing or if it was just like an extra being stupid. Uh, that was pretty funny. Because it's something you just kind of hear in the background. Someone going like, smell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of like when you see a skywriter. There's one in Orlando. I don't know if he does it anymore. But he used to do it like every weekend. He'd write like, Jesus loves you and shit. Like just over and over again. Right. I don't know if you remember that. I, but, I think I remember that. Yeah. But by the time he gets to like, you know, six or seven letters in, you can't read the first one anymore. Yeah. So like I totally buy that this fucker's like, does that say smell? What does that say? <laughs> Uh, but it's also funny because like it's up in the sky and then like two shots later like they're in a fog (laughs) and they're like oh no (laughs) yeah so yeah it turned out that sky riding was just chemtrails right right, yeah. yeah. (laughs) you you turned to me and you're like chemtrails Uh, (laughs) and then sable was like "Ooh!" (laughs) i was like let me stop you right there (laughs) this is a bad captain america movie this is nothing to like put your stock in conspiracies and stuff (laughs) <laughs> so i think i'm missing something here but here here's a big mistake we made we watched this movie like a week ago but yeah you know life got in the way and so now I, i'm struggling to remember some things but i wrote down wendy's a fucking genius and i'm trying to kind of like piece it together and i think it might be like she spends a lot of this movie like testing out a what is it a panther yeah it's like a big cat <laughs> did she do more age math with it or something i think she does age math the second time but I didn't write it down. <laughs> so, oh, it was something, uh, it's aging, like, was it 1,000 times faster, I think? Yeah, there was another thing, and we she checked think, it. Yeah, she's like a fucking prodigy. I mean, she's a doctor, too. Like, she's, and she was in the last movie, too. It's not like she was just, like, the hot girl in the last movie. Yeah. Like, she is, like, the doctor, uh, which is cool. But in this movie, she has a ton to do. Because in the last one, she mostly just, she was just hot. And yeah, then, and then they expressly use her hotness to recruit Steve Rogers. Yeah, I guess they weren't a thing, and th- she was just using him, right? <laughs> but yeah, I guess they're I don't know broken up. Like they don't really like make mention of it for this movie. But her and Mike, her, not Miguel, her and Simon like share a weird thing. Scene. I don't remember what happened. There was like there was like sexual tension there. There there was, yeah. But for no reason, because yeah, that's also never mentioned again. It doesn't pay off. I wonder if it was one of those things where they're like, all right, we're gonna explore this later and like because this is supposed to be a TV pilot. Right? right. So like were they gonna go with that somewhere? Even though in the first one she was with Steve. Uh, Steve. Like there's a love triangle here I don't quite understand. But Steve doesn't really seem to give a shit. I I guess. Um Whatever. Uh, so Miguel delivers a, a. Oh, and how they um bug the phones. We were saying like for the seventies, it was super clever. They had like a machine, like a recorder, and they would take the phone and they put the phone down on the recorder, and then pick up another handset to use. So like it has like a speaker yeah. or like or has like a microphone where the speaker would go and and it would record it, but also like play it back they were using like the recorder as like a proxy so that exactly their so phone be... isn't traced yeah so yeah. they can be traced exactly and also they were recording or they were bugging it's not bad that's pretty clever it felt right. like almost like a kind of a mission impossible kind of you know 70s probably the peak of their technology really but at least it's something <laughs> you know true it's not just like something that they can kind of write off it's like a tangible piece of technology it's not like oh aging chemical you know what i mean where it's just like 
It's just a skywriter. Anyway, <laughs> Miguel delivered a sample of the antidote. I guess, a, like, you know, so they don't call it his bluff or whatever. Yeah. Um, Wendy can't seem to duplicate it, so she tests it on herself on board Air Force One. I thought that was kind of... How is she on Air Force One? Because she had presidential privileges, oh, I guess. Because they were talking to the kay. president this whole time. Cause the, That's true. Because Miguel made his demand, his ransom to the president. Why the president doesn't have other people on this? <laughs> it was just like, yeah, the know, president like shouldn't be directly talking to him. Well, no, not only that, I'm just saying like, like where's like the FBI, Secret like, Service, military, Mil- uh, I don't know, National Guard, anybody? <laughs> like, it's just like, oh no, that like Captain America and Simon and Wendy deal with it. But she gets a uh, little Air Force One privileges, I guess. Uh, so Helen admits to Steve that Bellevue has been a test site for the chemical. They were all sprayed, and the bad guys have been giving the citizens small doses of the antidote to keep them from aging, administered by the fake vet. Which explains the line going out the vet's yeah, door. Yeah, and why the whole town was being like weird and freaky about everything. Yeah, like what you were saying, like this is the stuff that I think was done pretty well. Like no, this... like this was an okay payoff to like what was happening before. Yeah, like it's like a fun little mystery. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> Wendy tests the antidote on a twin baby. Using the other twin as a control. Um, Steve, we're, okay, so real quick, let's talk about this because this was kind of like, it was an interesting like little mini science experiment that she does here. Is this ethical? But it's, that's the other thing. Is like, is this okay? I don't think it is. Because were both of them exposed? I think both those kids were already exposed. That makes it a little bit better. Yeah, I don't but... think she intentionally poisoned one of them. Did she though? If they were both already exposed, that makes it slightly remember. better. There's still I'm imagining I'm giving some the issues with testing an antidote on a child. Yeah, but like I'm gonna give it the benefit of the doubt that because like the whole city, quote unquote, is exposed, right? Yeah. So she would have just like given the antidote to one twin baby, and then she measures their age. Not sure how they do that. And then they were like, "Oh yeah, this twin's dating. gonna be a month older than the other one." Isn't that gonna be cool? They say something like that. Like, yeah, towards the end of the movie, but so I guess the antidote works, but it's also kind of like a look. A lot of people don't know how science works, <laughs> like how a proper experiments done or whatever. Uh, I like that you know they're like showing you know she has a control baby and then she's got her variable baby. <laughs> she used a scientific method at <laughs> she, least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Steve spies on the vet and reads his car's odometer to triangulate where the prison base is. <laughs> it's a weird way to it is he it sends out. pete to do it it's not not smart but what if he went to some other location too like he had to have known that he was going that it was just like a straight trip yes and back yeah like that what he's if he going... stopped to get gas exactly what if he got mcdonald's, McDonald's. <laughs> like what if he went to a third or second location and like did a whole like triangle then the whole plan falls apart the whole thing falls apart exactly so he would have known that he's going just straight there and back he reads the odometer reads the difference cuts that in half that's the radius that they're looking at right between him and helen they like go and they look at the map and they're kind of like measuring things out and all that's fine that's again it's steve being smart but there's a lot of holes is what i'm saying that seems like like movie smart though it doesn't seem like something like a person would do in real life exactly because they're never wrong first of all you know everything that they they go to do like that's what ends up being (laughs) so like they're jumping to the correct conclusions because the plot you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because then he's like, oh, 
right here because they happen to be out in the middle of nowhere which is very convenient because like <laughs> if you basically you're gonna draw a circle on the map and it's only gonna hit one location it's like uh, huh all right well this is the only place in this radius yeah so and it, it's a prison and then uh helen's like that prison just got a new warden it says it right here on the newspaper like come on <laughs> nobody knows that you know what i mean uh and then so like oh new warden that's it that's how he's hiding and then they figured Would it out something like that being a newspaper oh local prison gets new warden in a small town probably uh, again weird plan it's smart but it's like smart in a really hollywood kind of way sure even less than that <laughs> helen helps him find it and they kiss before he rides off hell yeah that i didn't see this romance coming until like it already happened by the way like, I didn't see any chemistry or sparks flying or anything like that. No, they were just being polite to each other. Exactly. And she was actually being rude to him at first. No, right. She hated him for a while. And then, like, I guess he took his shirt off and that changes everything. She was like, fuck yeah. And I was still like, well, what about Wendy? What happened there? <laughs> like, I guess she doesn't matter. Well, she's like the third most important character in this movie, basically, <laughs> Wendy. She's doing a lot of work behind the scenes here. Um, <laughs> And they got a panther for this movie, too, by the way. By the end of the movie, that thing's, like, full-grown. Hell, yeah. Although they mentioned it was, like, a lion cub. Oh, fuck, it was a lion. You're right, you're yeah. right, you're right. We assumed it was a panther early on because we don't know anything about animals. Um, we're like, well, it doesn't have any markings, therefore it's not, like, a cheetah or a, or a leopard. Or... or tiger. Right. So Captain America charges into the prison on his bike and rides right inside the halls. He miraculously doesn't die from carbon monoxide poisoning, um, don't do this at home. I can't stress that enough. Like, that's... You can absolutely cannot ride a motorcycle inside a building that's that... Close narrow. quarters? Yeah. It was like in these hallways that are very narrow, small ceilings. You would die. Like, you would die in, like, I don't know, 30 minutes, probably. How long does it take you to die, like, of carbon monoxide? Like, when the people, like... You know, people uh, kill themselves this way. They, I like, you start the car. pretty quickly. Yeah. And then you die shortly you, afterwards. Exactly. Yeah, don't drive any sort of vehicle <laughs> inside of an enclosed space. If it's Especially electric, that, you won't die. But. Right. But, like, if it emits any sort of carbon. Seriously. So, uh, Captain America frees the professor, uh, Ilson, and pursues Miguel. His bike, conv- somewhere in here is where he does the the rail slides thing. Down he slides the rail. on the it, rail. It's cool. so funny looking. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be in, like, the preview that we put up. Um, yeah. On our Instagram post, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his bike converts into a hang glider. That was a fun little thing too. He's Ooh. like, he's like riding on like I'm a sure rail. That could be on our Instagram post too. Maybe, yeah. He's like riding on like a like a wall or something. And he hits a button, and then like a transformer, basically, like like his motorcycle starts like growing <laughs> limbs, and then like that, like the whole hang glider parachute comes out, and he just like kind of fucking takes off. And the hang glider is like an American. Well, it's an American flag, but it kind of looks like Puerto Rico. Because of the one star. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's a Captain America. I mean, Captain America could, like, visually basically be Captain Puerto Rico. <laughs> you look at like how it looks. If you just, like, look at him. Yeah. Like, if you didn't know any better. Like, if you didn't know, you'd be like, oh, it's Captain Puerto Rican flag. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Puerto Rican flag. One star, red, white, and blue. Yeah, three bars, yeah. <laughs> Where are we? Oh, yeah, it converts it to a hang ladder, and he flies down to the road, continues to chase on land, uh, and confronts Miguel. Wait, did we talk about that's the not, dogs? That's not real. Oh yeah, he fights some dogs. But really, but really, he just plays with them. Yeah, 
I don't know if they weren't the best trained like uh, animal actors. They were like very clearly just playing with they him. They just wanted to like jump up and have fun. Yeah, like he's acting like he's in distress, yeah, but the like, dogs are like he's like lightly tapping them with his shield. Like he's like uh, the eh. dogs are loving it. <laughs> they were very cute. Um, it was a very unnecessary scene. Again, they didn't look vicious in the slightest. No. Also, did those dogs like in the plot die because they like gave him three times the amount of the aging serum? Did they? The yeah, he was prison? like, give him three times the amount of serum and release the dogs. Because they were using the dogs, I guess, to oh, test no. it. Oh, no. Well, that sucks. Yeah, but they were so wow. excited. Poor pups. I mean, they were... It's not real. <laughs> uh, and they look like they had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I don't think any dogs were harmed into making this movie. Surely not. I hope uh, not. <laughs> surely. <laughs> but, okay. That hang glider couldn't possibly hold the weight of a motorcycle, a motorcycle. and a human. There's no way, right? No. Also, I'm willing to bet that Steve Rogers is like well over 250 pounds. Oh yeah, this man's like six foot five. Okay, so he's probably like 300 pounds. Yeah, yeah maybe not that tall. He's like six three or four. He's pretty big. Well, like, um, he's like over six feet tall, and he's like all muscle. And he's like ripped. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna guess like 300 pounds, like WWE wrestler. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty big. <laughs> so he uh, he confronts Miguel. He like corners him or something. They're like in the middle of a field. Steve throws his shield, but Miguel isn't fooled by the shield trick. Because he throws... Again, just throw it right at him, basically. Don't throw it. Don't just, don't do the whole, oh, I'm gonna, it's going to circle back thing. Like, they'll see that coming. And bonk you in the back of the yeah. head. Uh, <laughs> in a last-ditch effort, Miguel throws a bottle of the poison to Steve, but Steve throws the shield back at it. The shield shatters the bottle, and its entire contents fall on Miguel, who ages to death in a matter of seconds. And we get the cheesy effect of him aging rapidly. Yeah, basically. Was there like a transformation scene? It's. I think it wasn't of, like a full on scene. It was just something that happened really quickly while he was like. Yeah, I think. But then he kind of the camera turns away when it comes back. He's wearing like makeup and yeah. wig and, and stuff. And we've seen, you know, like what uh, Christopher Lee ages into, and it doesn't look. It don't look anything like that. He looks like the Crypt Keeper, <laughs> like like long white hair and yeah, just like. Real wrinkled, and then he just dies, and that's where the title comes from: death too soon. Because people were aging too quickly, and they died. Yeah, it's clever. Is it? It's, it's not good, <laughs> but it's clever. Simon and Steve spray the antidote over Portland, saying he aged three weeks by proxy, and the people of Portland ten months. So I wonder how many people in Portland died because they aged ten months. Some of the old people might be dead. Oh, maybe. I'm sure there were casualties. Yeah. So what he was saying is like when he, like whatever splashed onto him only aged him three weeks, I guess. I guess. How did he figure that out? How do you calculate this? Like, oh, yeah. my body is three weeks older. Yeah. Maybe Wendy just did the math for him, I guess. <laughs> She's a genius. <laughs> God, that Wendy. And then that's the movie. That's it. That's, yeah, it's it's not A little long. bit of an abrupt ending, actually. Uh, yeah, I could have done with a little bit more conclusion does he no he sees wendy not wendy a helen they have another moment don't they i think they just kind of like speak to each other yes no because remember fucking uh helen's riding a horse again oh yeah she's riding a horse and then pete's like oh she's smiling again and then, yeah and then that's like it and then, like, and then like you see don't her they smile. like kiss and pete's like yeah mom and steve or something that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem familiar to me but yeah, Mom and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so that yeah, that's basically the movie. 
So, oh, uh, because uh, we mm. forgot to mention last week. Sorry. Uh, if we're getting to the analysis of this, we didn't really talk. Did we talk about the costume? We talked about the costume a little bit. Yeah. Actually, we did. We did. We totally did. I forgot to mention in last week's, sorry, in the first movie, he has like a really bad, like, there's no other word for this, panty line. Does he? Because <laughs> he's wearing like tidy whities and it is so visible under his, uh, under his pants. Oh. Here, I'll show you a picture. They, they couldn't have tanned him a bit more? They should have tanned. No, no, no. I mean, like, you can see his underwear under oh. his. Oh, I'm thinking, like, no, I was no, no. tan lines. No, no, no. Panty A line. panty line is where you can see. The underwear. Like, underwear. If like on if you're wearing, like, uh. They couldn't have given like, him better like underwear? Like, tight butt. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't. Look, I know there wasn't, like, the best underwear technology back then, but. You see it right here? Oh. It looks worse on his butt. It's very noticeable. <laughs> Well, yeah, I see it now. It, this one is better. They they fixed it in the second one. If you go back to the first movie, it's real noticeable. Anyway, I'll show it to you later. He's got like a big bulge, too. He's <laughs> <laughs> probably packing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, so overall, uh, look, I think this is an improvement over the last one. Is it? You I don't like know it. about plot-wise. What was, what was the plot of the last one? Him becoming Captain America. Yeah, what were the bad guys doing? Oh, the missile. The missile. They were trying to blow up. So they were trying to do bad guy things. I think this one's better. It's the, the missile was boring, and we were. It was like, boring, yeah. And it was very generic, and there was no, there wasn't even a ransom. We were like, why? What's he trying to do I with the missile? I think what I liked about the first one was the whole like him becoming Captain America, and he like he wasn't sure if he wanted to do it and stuff like that. That was good. Yeah, yeah. There's better character stuff in that. I, okay, that's yeah, it. Better that's character stuff it. in the first one. I guess the plot in this one would be better than because there's an actual plot. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I like what he's doing more in this one, I guess. I like the villains a lot better. Christopher Lee's great, uh, even though he's kind of given dumb lines for a lot of this. But, <laughs> yeah, I guess the character stuff might be better in the first movie. Yeah. But this one was like a yeah, action was better. The plot was better. Like they were actually like they had a goal that they were moving toward, even if it was a little convoluted in the way that they did some things and other things were done very easily without any sort of explanation, but like Yeah. The overall plot isn't bad. Yeah, no, for sure. Oh no, yeah, and I think the thing I think bothered us the most, at least me last time, was like the action because it seemed like the movie was overall well written, but everything kind of like in between those scenes was bad. So like yeah. the chases and the fights and especially the climactic fight on on top of the um, truck. Well, I think I was saying um, the most boring part of the first movie was after he became Captain America. Yeah. Then much. the movie became yeah, boring. Pretty much. Pretty much. So in this one, I think the action's a lot better, even like if he's just kind of like fighting some dogs yeah. not like don't get me well. wrong the action's like not good by today's standards or anything like that but it wasn't boring like it was in the first one no 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 it it is definitely filmed more coherently yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'd say fun e- to watch the, yeah i know exactly even the parts where he's like infiltrating the prison like he's riding his motorcycle <laughs> up like stairs and going down on the on the yeah. thing and as and ridiculous then... as it looks like i didn't hate it you know yeah this is an interesting movie. A lot of the same kind of like music and sound effects things like 
Just uh, yeah, the same kind of. Anytime he uses his powers, it's like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Why is that? Just the seventies, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I guess to show us or to tell us that, like, oh hey, he's using his super strength right, right. now. Right, or like the kids. Maybe it's like a kid. I don't know. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> um, costume is still the same. Like I said, it's the same costume as before, and they fixed the whole kind of like his tidy whitey situation. Yeah. But it's like it's the same costume that he got at the end of the last movie. Yeah, yeah, it is like the traditional Captain America with the uh But add like a motorcycle. You were saying you, you looked up uh the helmet thing. Yeah, uh apparently California Highway Patrol or someone that's in charge of those type of laws wanted Captain America to wear a helmet <laughs> while he was while on his was on motorcycle. motorcycle. Yeah. And so they're just like, all right, fuck it, we're just gonna make that part of his costume. Yeah, they incorporated it. And that's kind of what I was saying last week is that I don't have a problem with him wearing a helmet. It's very responsible. And we talked about this. What episode was that? Daredevil? Was it Daredevil? I think it was Daredevil because nobody was wearing a helmet in that. Did anyone need to wear a helmet in that? Yeah, what's his face? Bullseye. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But we were talking about how, like, nobody wears helmets in, in these movies. And it leads to, like, like the depiction that these heroes don't wear helmets. It's cool not to wear a it's helmet. It's cool not to wear a helmet, so why would I wear one? Exactly. And like Let me just bash my brains all over the concrete. Right. And that like a crazy statistic of motorcycle riders like don't wear helmets. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, insane. I, I see it like every day. Yeah. You see it all the time. So that makes sense. I have no problem with him wearing a helmet on the motorcycle. It's just, I feel like he should just take it off and it would look a lot better. Yeah, maybe don't fight in the helmet. Or have like a different helmet like or just new like, captain america like kind of world uh, war one is like a soldier helmet. type helmet. Yeah. yeah that would look really good and we know that because you know we've uh, seen it i almost call him steve rogers uh chris evans wears it yeah human torch yeah that would look i feel like that would fix a lot of his kind of like costume problems because the rest of it's fine it's just classic captain america like what more do you want it's 1979 <laughs> although in this one he has a mask underneath the helmet he does. And it just makes me want to see what it looks like if you just took the helmet off. It might. You know look, what I mean? It probably looked better. Yeah, because in the last one, he had, like, goggles. It was like an evil Knievel look. So he had goggles and a helmet. And in this one, he has a visor helmet. But then he has, like, the whole mask underneath. Which, maybe that was the mask that they were originally just going to have him wear. Right. Just fucking take the helmet off then. <laughs> like, jeez. How hard can it be? Yeah, so I think that's it. I don't know. I don't really have anything else. This is, again, another pretty simple movie. It's simple, but it was. I was entertained. Sure. Do you want to go on, move on to Keeper Cancel? Yeah, let's go. So we've got Sir Christopher Lee in this film. Very famous for playing Count Dracula in uh, multiple movies, right? Yes, he was also in James Bond. He was. Is he the man with the golden gun? Yeah, he's the bad guy in Man with the Golden Gun. Count Dooku, obviously, in Star Wars. Um, and Saruman in The Lord of the Rings. And also The Hobbit. His role as Saruman is probably his most popular one. Uh, probably. And Count Dooku being second it, most popular. I think it depends on how old you are, too. If you're very old, it's probably Dracula. It's pretty, yeah, probably Dracula. Like, <laughs> he was in Wicker Man. The original, He right? also did... Well, we're going to get to it because I didn't write anything down. So we're using his Wikipedia page. Nice. <laughs> but I did read this whole Wikipedia article like a week ago. Born 1922 in London, died in 2015. I remember when he died at the age of 93. So, yeah. fought in World War II, I believe. Yes. So he joins the Royal Air Force 
going into World War II. 1939, he volunteered to fight. Uh, right there, like, that's already kind of like, I'm sorry, that's like hero status. Yeah. For me. Comes back from the war, basically, like, said didn't want to go back to, like, a desk job. Because he had a job. Uh, I'm not going to look it up. Um, but he turned it down because like, I couldn't think of myself back in into the office frame of mind. Yeah, you, you served in the Air Force during World War II. The, yeah, the biggest war of our history. Yeah, and for like, you know, six years or whatever. Like, you don't just go back to like normal life after that. You ever see um, Hurt Locker? No, but I want to. Oh, it's a really good movie. Uh-huh. I've heard good things about it. Catherine, what's her face? Bigelow? Catherine. Yeah, Catherine Bigelow. Huh. I'm not I'm not dumb. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> no one said you were dumb. I'm just amazed sometimes when I get the names right, you know. Uh anyway, yeah, no, but that movie's all about like these soldiers that go to war. They're part of like the bomb squad. They defuse like bombs, like in Afghanistan. And then they come back they you know, they have PTSD. But not only PTSD, like they just can't settle into like regular life anymore because they have the most high octane job in the world you know like defusing bombs at war you know in a war zone and then they come back and like there's one character i forget if it's uh jeremy renner's character or if it's another one is it anthony um, mackie it's not anthony mackie it's a different one but anyway there's one character that like keeps on just going back you know back abroad doing another tour because he just cannot settle in like regular life anymore like so. that's like his life now yeah, like it's and that does know, happen to people. Yeah, right. No, it's very realistic, and and that's kind of one of the reasons that movie did so well uh, with critics. But anyway, you kind of totally see how like someone is like going to World War Two and is like, I just can't just work in an office now. <laughs> like what? And so he gets into acting. Yeah. So uh, the armed forces were sending veterans with an education into the classics to teach at universities, but Lee felt that his Latin was too rusty and didn't care for strict curfews. <laughs> But either way, he ends up getting in with Hammer Film Productions. So, like, a film studio and works with them for, like, 20 years. Making Frankenstein, which he started, actually, as Frankenstein's monster, um, next to Peter Cushing's Victor Frankenstein. (laughs) Him and Peter Cushing become, like, best friends. They were in, like, 40 movies together or something. It's a shame that Christopher Lee wasn't in the old Star Wars movies. Yeah, that would have been kind of fun. But then uh, we would not count yeah, Dooku. No, it's, yeah, he's better as Count Dooku. I love him as Dooku. Oh, sorry. I said 40. It was 20. That was our first co-star. But they ended up becoming close friends, working on over 20 movies together. <laughs> Most people know him from, like, Dracula. But, yeah, he started off as Frankenstein, actually. Um, <laughs> then later does Dracula. So the film was critically acclaimed. And he became, like, the image of uh, Dracula. Dracula, basically. And, and vampires in pop culture. But yeah, like I guess Christopher Lee to Dracula is like, if you're going to compare it to somebody today, Robert Downey Jr. to Tony Stark. Yeah, like Christopher basically. Lee was Dracula. Yeah, basically. He was in the original Mummy? Yeah, or he was also the... Maybe not the original, but like one of the earlier... It says The Mummy, 1959. Oh, maybe it is the original one. <laughs> That's him right there. So he was... He did the trifecta. All right. So he did Dracula, Frankenstein, and, and The Mummy. And The Mummy. He was three Universal Monsters. Yeah. So apparently um, that first movie did really well. So Lee returns to the role of Dracula, but has no lines and just hisses the entire thing. (laughs) 
Lee says he refused to speak the poor dialogue he was given. Oh my but God. the screenwriter claims that the script did not contain any lines for the character. Um, That's kind of funny. So he said, all they do is write a story and try to fit the character in somewhere, which is very clear when you see the films. They gave me nothing to do. Uh, I pleaded with Hammer to let me use some of the lines that Bram Stoker had written. Occasionally, I sneak one in. So basically, like... He Bram just, Stoker, the author of... Yeah, the author. Right, right. From the book. They're like... Yeah. He's trying to refer to the source material. And they're like, no, man. Just, like, hiss at people and then bite their necks. That's all you got to worry about. So you can tell, like, why he would be, like... Annoyed. Frustrated, yeah. All in all, he plays Dracula ten times. Whew. He played Sherlock Holmes? Yes. So then... No. He plays uh, Henry Baskerville. Then he later plays Holmes And then, himself. yes, and then later plays Sherlock Holmes. So that's funny because so he plays Baskerville in Hound of the Baskervilles. And in that one, Cushing is Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> and then they kind of switch places. He's back with he his plays, buddies. And then he goes in and plays um, Sherlock Holmes himself. That's got to be confusing. Well, being both, like, against Sherlock Holmes and then playing <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. That'd be kind of funny, yeah. I don't think the movies are related. No, I guarantee they're not. Oh, and then he plays Mycroft Holmes, too. <laughs> in the private life of Sherlock Holmes. Jesus Christ. He's all over the place, this guy. Three Musketeers. The Return of the Musketeers. Wicker Man, James Bond. Oh, I mean, with the Golden yeah. Gun. I'm pretty sure I've seen that one. And we're still in the 70s. Yeah, so then he comes to Hollywood. He was in an airplane? Oh, no, he turned down the role. I was like, he's he, not an airplane. He, he could have been the main role in airplane. Actually, Leslie Nielsen did a good job with that. Oh, yeah. And he's <laughs> hilarious. Oh, and he appeared as Sherlock Holmes again in two more movies. Jesus. Him and Peter Cushing appeared in Hamlet, Moulin Rouge, obviously in separate Star Wars movies, and then Lord of the Rings. Did you know... Ooh, what were you going to say? Oh, that he was going to be Magneto. Or he tried oh, out for Magneto. I didn't know that. He considered for uh, Magneto. That would have been cool. To Ian McKellen, his co-star from Lord of the Rings. I was going to say, uh, in Lord of the Rings, he is the only person in that movie that had actually met Tolkien in real life. <laughs> that makes sense. He's very old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I don't know if they were friends, but they did, like, meet. Ooh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. He plays Charlie's dad. Oh, and the, yeah, the Doctor that Tim Burton Wilbur one. Dr. Wonka. I don't know if that's a real character. They they made it for the uh, movie. I think they made it for the movie. But I like that movie. I need to see it again in case I hate it. I think I'm like the only person I know that likes that movie. Yeah, I like the the weird uh, Gene Wilder one. I also just like Gene Wilder though. That might be. Yeah, it. no. I mean, really, Wonka. It's, yeah, sure, like it's it's the classic. But that doesn't mean that it can't be like you know someone else can't try. No. And again, like it's fine to like it. I just didn't like it. Super Burton. It was almost too Burton. I mean, that's kind of the point. It's not supposed to be realistic. It's like uh, it's like a step beyond Batman Returns. So, anyway. Well, he was also in a metal band. Oh, was he really? Yeah. Damn. Oh, apparently in an interview, uh, he was sad that his friend Johnny Depp, I guess they were friends, they were in a bunch of movies together, uh, had considered retirement. And he said that he had never had any intention of retiring. And he said, what else could I do? Making films has never just been a job to me. It's my life. I have some interest outside of acting. I've written books. I sing, for instance, like you said, this fucking metal band. Yeah. Uh, but acting is what keeps me going. It's what I do. It gives me my life purpose. I'm realistic about the amount of work I can get at my age, but I take what I can get, even voiceovers and narration. So he just liked 
working. I feel like that's a very polite way of putting it because he was never short on work. Like he's a f- famous actor. Like obviously yeah. he's getting work. He's like, I'll just take what I can get. He's like, I'll take what I can get. But he says it because like he enjoys doing it. Yeah. I think it's like kind of the opposite of the Nick Cage situation where Nick Cage kind of has to take what he can get because he fucked himself over. Financially. Oh yeah, for sure. Did you know for like Hobbit, he's basically like not there at all. When he was doing Saruman and the Hobbit, that's like mostly green screen. I believe that. <laughs> yeah. He was he also was so, extremely old. He was super old. So he, was like, he wasn't on set or anything like that. He probably like couldn't that. really travel. Uh, it's one of his last movies, I think. It, oh, in his last two things, he was just a narrator. Actually, and, all of them. Oh. See, like, this is a voice. Oh. These are all post-humous so that, releases. The Hobbit was his last acting role. Yeah. Okay. That's Saruman. Not only green screen, it's like green screen his head on someone else's body. <laughs> like, that's how they did it. Yeah. Which, but, I get it. Like, there was no way he was at... How old was he? 90? It was, the, like, the year he died, basically. So yeah. it was, like, 93. Like, nine, he was in his Realistically, 90s. like, what were the odds of him getting on a plane and flying oh, out no, to not New at Zealand? All. <laughs> like, <laughs> not at all. New Ze- and New Zealand, out of all places, too. Yeah. Hobbit was mostly, like, filmed on set and shit. It's all green screen. Some of the stuff was on location. For the most part. It's not like the Lord of the Rings. Like, they were there no, for like a year yeah. and a half or whatever. Like, just filming. Well, Peter Jackson didn't have that kind of time with The Hobbit. He was kind of brought onto it. No, they, and they all had kids. From what I remember, like, like, last minute. Yeah. They're like, no, we're going to do this the easy way. Yeah. Like, we all have kids. We want to go home at the end of the day. We're not doing this shit again. <laughs> too too much work. Yeah. But <laughs> I think what I love about Christopher Lee, besides being like a good actor, is that like, you look at all his filmography, it's all like genre shit. Like, he's not the kind of, you know, big-time actor who's so pretentious and full of himself. I'm only going to do artsy films. Yeah, he's not the artsy-fartsy guy. No. You know, and you see some of those actors who have no respect for, like, you know, genre movies. He's just been doing this shit his entire career, from Dracula to, like you said, the other monsters to Sherlock Holmes. James Bond, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Like, it's all franchise Tim genre. Tim Burton stuff in general. Right. It, it, none of it's like what other people would call, quote unquote, serious acting. But, you know, it's such a kind of like unnecessary divide. Like, you don't have to say it like Marvel movies and comic book movies isn't serious acting. If you write a seriously good part and a serious actor, you know, really puts their performance in it, then you're going to get a serious acting. You're going to get a serious movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There have been great examples of that. And I feel like it's not, it wasn't until like Dark Knight that like people started taking these movies yeah. kind of more seriously and, and more A-list actors are getting interested in doing it. Yeah. You know, now I like to, I'll play a game with people and we'll go through like, instead of doing like six degrees, to like Kevin Bacon, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, how many degrees to like Marvel can you get? <laughs> because like you pick a movie, any movie. Like, just pick one at random, and you're going to find an actor who's been in a Marvel property. Yeah. In one or two degrees, you're there. Because, you know, these actors are kind of, like, getting it. They're making good movies. There is room for, like, really good nuanced performances and nuanced characters. It doesn't have to be kind of one thing or another. it's welcome. Yeah, and it's not, like, it's not pulp anymore. You know, at least not all of it. Like, I mean, there's still some of that. Yeah. But... Deadshot. You know, Venom wasn't, like... <laughs> <laughs> Deadshot, Venom, um... Was it Deadshot? Am I thinking the right thing? The blue guy, Vin Diesel? No, Deadshot is uh, Will Smith. You're thinking uh, Bloodshot. Uh, Bloodshot. De- yeah, yeah Blood Deadshot Shot. was Will Smith. But it's cool. <laughs> all in all. But, um, I mean, it seems like Christopher Lee's a cool dude. Oh, no, hell yeah, dude. Again, War Hero, 
first of all, like acting is a job. Like we like to like, you know, because it's, they're celebrities and, and bullshit. We like to kind of like put them on pedestals. But at the end of the day, it's just a stupid job. Yeah. But this guy was an actual war hero. Like he, you know, he fought. He fought Nazis. <laughs> he literally <laughs> fought Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then well, it was in a Captain America movie as not a Nazi, but but as a bad guy. Yeah. I wonder if he would like if they were like, all right, do you want to be like a Nazi villain? Because all of Captain America's villains are Nazis. I wonder if he'd be like, no. Like, I, like, I, I don't want... That's, like, like the one I thing I won't that. do. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not funny. Like, <laughs> That is curious. I love that he just didn't shy away from this kind of stuff. In fact, he embraced it. He made an entire career out of it. And was maybe kind of, you know, one of those actors people will look at to be like, that's the guy that made people look at this kind of thing differently, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, keep. For me, obviously. Oh, oh 100% keep. Oh, you don't want to cancel the war hero? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've had a war hero before. No. But yeah, no, like war hero, fantastic actor, singer in a metal band. Like, Matt, we need to look into that because I didn't know about this. <laughs> like he's done so much and it seemed like he was overall a pretty humble dude. Like he's got no yeah, big controversies no, yeah, or sure. anything, which is rare for in sure. anybody in oh, Hollywood. Oh, fuck, I forgot. He was in a porno. He was in a Oh, nice. Oh, and wait. he fucks. No, 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 it was an accident. He, was... he didn't know he was in it. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, I forgot all about it. That's hold on, even hold on, better. He was in like a softcore porn. And he didn't know it was he a softcore porn? He didn't know. He went in, you know, read his lines. He said, oh, shit, hold on a second. Just search porn on the article. Aha. Ooh. Okay, here we go. I had, <laughs> this is what he says. Uh, he was in Eugenie, 1970. Uh, he did it as a favor to producer Harry Allen Towers. Unaware of softcore pornography. As the sex scenes were shot separately. He said, I had no idea <laughs> that was what it was going to be when I agreed to do the role. I flew out to Spain for one day's work playing the part of a narrator. I had to wear a crimson dinner jacket. There were lots of people behind me. They all had their clothes on. <laughs> there didn't seem to be anything peculiar or, or strange. A friend said, do you know you're in a film in Old Compton Street? In those days, that that was where the Macintosh Brigade watch their films very funny i said so i crept along there heavily disguised in dark glasses and a scarf <laughs> and found the cinema and there was my name i was furious there was a huge row <laughs> when i left spain that day everyone behind me had taken their clothes off so apparently he's saying like as soon as he was done the pornography started and kicked off that's <laughs> a great story. so he had no idea what he was nope in for he was just doing a favor for a friend. Yeah. So nice guy. That's all I'm saying. Oh, no, I want to keep him even more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So that's it. Oh, no, that's not it. I'm an idiot. Uh, final thoughts. Into the Phantom Zone. <laughs> um, Final thoughts. This movie's not bad. Uh, what'd you do with the last one? Did you Phantom Zone it? No, right? No. I don't think and I, and I don't think I'm going to do the same thing with this one. Like, my thoughts are like, this is better than the last movie. It's better than the last one, yeah. That's so, I mean, if I kept the last one, I'm obviously going to keep this one. I'm not upset I watched it. I didn't think it was a waste of time. I was actually entertained watching it, so yeah, why not keep it? It definitely deserves to be in the public consciousness, not in the Phantom Zone. As a reminder of what we do, we either decide if a movie is going to go into the Phantom Zone, as in, like, it should not exist, no one should ever hear, see, or have to look at it ever again, it's just forgotten, or should it be kind of reminded and back into the public consciousness, like, hey, people, watch this. This is great, yeah. you know? 
So I agree. This is a movie. I think I said the last one. It should be kept in the public consciousness. And this is you should watch this. This is not a bad time. No, it's a good time. Like it's, it's fun. It's campy. It's campy, and but the, that's not a bad thing. No, and the parts that are bad, quote unquote, that we said are bad, are still fun. Like it's it's almost those things fall into like it's so bad it's good. I would uh, say yeah. range. Like, this is not a bad movie to, like, have a couple drinks and watch. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're a fan. Like, it's movies like this is the reason why I wanted to do this podcast. It's like, go back into the archives of, like, you know, just comic book, movies, TV, whatever. And, like, put myself in that perspective. Like, what, you know, what would it be like being a kid in 79 watching this? Like, yeah. Would they, did they get the same kind of feelings like we got watching, like, Batman or, like, Spider-Man you know, in in the 2000s, in the 90s. I mean, I don't know. Like, Maybe. probably. Because like, this is all they had. Oh, um, James Gunn was asked this week. I tweeted about this. What was his inspirations for Peacemaker? That's the John Cena character in the new The Suicide Squad. Uh, and he wears, like, this big silver helmet. Um, and, like, very bright, bright, like, red and blue, like, a superhero Looks a attire. like our uh, Captain and America. he posted a picture of our Captain America, this guy. <laughs> He named a couple inspirations, but one of them was, like, this Captain America movie from, like, the fucking 70s that you that, grew up watching on TV. That timing's pretty funny. As, like, a kid. He was, like, you know, because he's in his yeah. 40s. Hey, shout out to James Gunn. <laughs> I was like, hey, like, we did this on our podcast. Check us out. I don't Let's think tag him. Maybe yeah. he'll. <laughs> so, definitely keeping this movie. Watch it. It's, like I said, the the bad parts are so bad that they're good. And the good parts are, are like, legitimately good. Yeah. So it was a good time. We had fun with it. So that's it. That's the movie. Next week, we are going to do... What are we doing next week? The next Captain America movie. The 1990... So there is a Captain America movie from 1990. And I'm so sorry. Let me look up real quick where it's available. We're probably going to have to buy this one too. Oops. We couldn't find any streaming offers. I had to take a watch. Yeah, no shit. We might have to... Yeah, this one might also need to be purchased. Okay, so... Not a super popular. Basically, it, it's probably not available anywhere. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. We're probably going to have to buy it. <laughs> we'll see how we scrounge this up. <laughs> this is the one that was made in Yugoslavia. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why it's hard to find probably. anywhere, I'm sure. Uh, it's just called Captain America from 1990. Alright, guys. So, thank you for listening. Uh, thanks to that piano dude for our musical intro. Make sure you leave a rating and review on Apple or on YouTube or not on Spotify. I guess they don't do Yeah, I don't think Spotify, Spotify really does ratings. You just download the podcast and listen to it. Spotify, I guess it's more just just listen to us on it. Sure. <laughs> make, but make sure you tell a friend. That's the next thing I was going to say. Yes. Tell a friend, please. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Films from the Phantom Zone. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter at Films from PZ. And you can listen to these episodes on YouTube. They're available there in addition to wherever you're listening to it right now. So if that's how you get your podcast, hey, there you go. <laughs> We're and catering to you. There, Yeah, you. Uh, and if you'd like to support the show, we are on Patreon. You can find us there at Films from PZ. So far, we have no exclusive content, but we're working on it. Well, we also have no patrons, so. Like, well, don't. Don't let the cat out of the bag, Birdo. <laughs> uh, well, we just made it. So we've only plugged it like two weeks. So other than that, guys, we will see you next week, Birdo. See ya. Okay, bye.